0: Section 86 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Manilakis. The Mysteries of London, Volume 2 by George W. M. Reynolds. 86. Chapter 221. THE RETURN TO ENGLAND It was on a beautiful morning, in the first week of March, that a large war-steamer passed Gravesend, and pursued its rapid way towards Woolwich. She was a splendid vessel, rigged as a frigate, and carrying twelve carronades. Her hull was entirely black, save in respect to the gilding of her figurehead and of her stern windows. But her interior was fitted up in a style of costly magnificence, large mirrors, chaste carving, rich carpets, and soft ottomans gave to the chief cabin the air of a princely drawing-room. On the deck everything denoted the nicest order and discipline. The sailors performed their duties with that alacrity and skill which ever characterized men-of-war's men who are commanded by experienced officers, and two marines with shouldered firelocks paced the quarter-deck with measured steps. The white sails were all neatly furled the gallant vessel was now progressing by the aid of that grand power which has achieved such marvellous changes on the face of the earth. The tall chimney sent forth a volume of black smoke, and the bosom of the mighty river was agitated into high and foam-crested billows by the play of the vast paddle-wheels. From the summit of the mainmast floated the royal standard of Castle Cicala, and on the deck, in the uniform of a general officer, with a star upon his breast, stood the Marquis of Estrella, conversing with his aides-de-camp. At a short distance was Morcar, in plain private clothes. Richard was now returning to his native shore, occupying in the world a far more exalted position than in his wild imaginings he could ever have hoped to attain. He had left England as an obscure individual, a subordinate in a chivalrous expedition, under the authority of others. He came back, with a star upon his breast, having achieved for himself a renown which placed him amongst the greatest warriors of the age. Unmarked by title, unknown to fame, was he when he had bade adieu to the white cliffs of Albion a few months previously? As the regent of a country liberated by himself, as a marquis who had achieved nobility by his own great deeds, did he now welcome his native clime once more?' tears of joy stood in his eyes emotions of ineffable bliss arose in his bosom as he thought of what he had been and what he now was but vanity was not the feeling thus gratified at the same time to assert that our hero was not proud of the glorious elevation which he had reached by his own merits would be to deny him the possession of that laudable ambition which is an honor to those who entertain it there is however a vast distinction between vanity and a proper pride the former is a weakness the latter an element of moral strength. Yes, Richard was proud, but not unduly so, of the honours which were now associated with his name, proud because he had dashed aside every barrier that had once seemed insuperable between the princess and himself. And oh, he was happy, too, supremely happy, for he knew that when he landed at Woolwich he should behold her whom we have before declared to be the only joy of his heart, the charming, and well-beloved Isabella. The gallant steamer pursued its way. Erith is past, and soon Woolwich is in sight. And now the cannon roars from the English arsenal. The volumes of white smoke sweep over the bosom of the Thames. The artillery salutes the royal standard of Castle Cicala. The troops are drawn up in front of the barracks to do honor to their heroic fellow-countryman, who retains his almost sovereign rank until the moment when he shall resign it into the hands of that prince on whose brow he has come to place a diadem. It is low water, and the Casicalan steamer drops her anchor at some little distance from the wharf. Then, under a salute from the cannon of the gallant vessel, the Marquis of Estrella descends into a barge which has been sent from the arsenal to waft him ashore but while he is still at distance from the wharf his quick eye discerns well-known forms standing near the spot where he is to land there are the grand duke alberto and the grand duchess attended by the commandant of woolwich and his staff and leaning on her father's arm is also the princess isabella the grand duke is in plain clothes he has come as it were incognito and as a friend to receive him to whom he is indebted for that throne which awaits him "'and he is moreover anxious that all the honours proffered on this occasion "'shall be acknowledged by him who still bears the rank of regent of Castelcicala.' "'The barge touches the steps. "'Richard leaps ashore. "'He hurries up the stairs. "'He stands upon the wharf. "'And, while the guard of honour of British soldiers presents arms, "'he is affectionately embraced by the Grand Duke.' "'Welcome! "'Welcome, noble youth!' exclaimed Alberto straining him to his breast as if he were a dearly beloved son i thank heaven that you most gracious sovereign are pleased with my humble exertions in favor of castelcical and freedom replied markham whose heart was so full that he could with difficulty give utterance to those words humble exertions do you call them cried the grand duke at all events they have deserved the highest reward which it is in my power to offer and, as he thus spoke, Alberto placed the hand of our hero in that of the beauteous Isabella, while the grand duchess said, in a voice tremulous with joyful emotion, Yes, dear Richard, you are now our son. Markham thanked the parents of his beloved, with a rapid but expressive glance of the deepest gratitude, and he and Isabella exchanged looks of ineffable tenderness, as they pressed each other's hand in deep silence for their hearts were too full to allow their lips to utter a syllable. But those looks, how eloquent were they! They spoke of hopes long entertained, often dim and overclouded, but never completely abandoned, and now realized at last. To appreciate duly the sweets of life, we should have frequently tasted its bitters, for it is by the influence of contrast that the extent of either can be fully understood. Those who have been prosperous in their loves, who have met with no objections at the hands of parents and who have not been compelled to wrestle against adverse circumstances are incapable of understanding the amount of that bliss which was now experienced by richard and isabella it was indeed a reward an adequate recompense for all the fears they had entertained the sighs they had heaved and the tears they had shed on account of each other and we ourselves reader pen these lines with heartfelt pleasure for there are times and the present occasion is one when we have almost fancied that our hero and heroine were real living characters whom we had seen often and known well and we are vain enough to hope that this feeling has not been confined to our own breast yes we can picture to ourselves with all its enthusiasm that delightful scene when the handsome young man handsomer than ever in the uniform which denoted his high rank exchanged those glances of ineffable tenderness and devoted love with a charming Italian maiden. More charming than ever with a light of bliss that shone in her eyes, made her sweet bosom heave, and brought to her cheeks a carnation glow beneath the faint tint of bistre which denoted her southern origin without marring the transparency of her pure complexion. And now, the first delights of this meeting over, Richard presented his aides-de-camp to the illustrious family. Then, beckoning Morcar towards him, he took the gypsy by the hand, saying, it is to this faithful friend that Casalcicala is indebted for the first step in that glorious career which was finally crowned with triumph beneath the walls of Montoni. "'And I, as the sovereign of Casalcicala,' returned the Grand Duke, shaking Morcar warmly by the hand, "'shall find means to testify my gratitude.' "'Your serene highness will pardon me,' said Morcar, in a firm but deferential manner, if i decline any reward for the humble share i enjoyed in those successes of which his lordship ere now spoke no the poor zingaree has only done his duty towards a master whom he loved and loves continued Morcar, looking at richard and dashing away a tear at the same time and it only remains for him to return to his family and to his roving life the sole favor i have to ask at the hands of these whom i have now the honor to address is that when they hear, as they often may, the name of Gypsy vilified and abused, they will declare their belief that there are a few favorable exceptions. "'But is it possible that I can do nothing to serve you?' exclaimed the Duke, struck by the extreme modesty and propriety of the Zingaree's words and manner. "'Consider how I may ameliorate your condition.' "'I require nothing, Your Highness.' answered Marcar, in the same respectful but firm tone as before. Nothing save the favor which I have demanded at your hands. No recompense could outweigh with me the advantage which I received from the contemplation of a character as good as he is great, as noble by nature as he now is by name, continued the gypsy, once more looking affectionately toward Markham. And from the moral influence of a society and example, I shall return to my people a new man." a better man having thus spoken morcar wrung the hand of our hero with a fraternal warmth and was about to hurry away leaving all his hearers deeply affected at the words which he had uttered when isabella stepped forward caught him gently by the arm and said in her sweet musical voice now so tremulously clear but you have a wife morcar and you must tell her that the princess isabella is her friend nor will you refuse to present her with this small token of that regard which I proffer her.' Thus speaking, the princess unfastened a gold chain from her neck, and forced it upon Morcar. "'Yes, lady,' said the gypsy, "'Abel shall accept that gift from you, and she shall pray morning and night for your happiness. Nay, more,' he added, sinking his voice almost to a whisper, "'she shall hold up to her son, the example of him who is destined, lady.' TO MAKE YOU THE HAPPIEST WOMAN UPON EARTH.' With those words, Morcar hurried away, hastened down the steps, leapt into a wherry, and directed the rowers to push the boat instantly from the wharf. When it was some yards distant, Morcar turned his head towards the group upon the quay, and waved his hand in token of adieu, and every member of that group returned his salutation with gestures that expressed the kindness feelings towards him. The party now proceeded to the residence of the Commandant, where a splendid dejeuner was served up. Richard sate next to his Isabella, and was supremely happy. "'Oh, how rejoiced shall I feel,' he whispered to her, when we can escape from all the ceremony which accompanies rank and power, and indulge uninterruptedly in that discourse which is so dear to hearts and love like ours. For I have so much to tell you, beloved one and now that all the perils of war and strife are past, I can look with calmness upon that series of events of which I was only enabled to send you such slight and rapid accounts. But believe me, Isabella, I would much rather have come back to my native shores unattended by all that ostentation and formal observance which have accompanied my return. Nevertheless, the high office with which I was invested, and the respect due to your father by the one who came to announce with befitting ceremony, that a throne awaited him, demanded the presence of that state, and required that public demonstration. You must not, however, imagine, dearest one, that a sudden elevation has made me vain. I have too high an opinion of your character, Richard, answered Isabella, to entertain such an idea for a single moment. I know that you are not unduly proud, but I, Richard, am proud, proud of you. And yet, "'Dear girl,' whispered our hero, "'all I have done has been put through the prompting of your image. "'And so did I write to you in the evening after that dreadful battle "'which decided the fate of Castle Sicala. "'Ah, Richard, you know not the deep suspense which we experienced, "'and the moments of indescribable alarm which I felt "'during the intervals between the letters announcing your several successes,' "'said the princess. "'But all fear has now vanished, and happiness has taken its place.' When we glance at the past, it will only be to rejoice at those events which have prepared for so much joy for the future. Do you not remember how often I bade you hope, when you were desponding? Oh, heaven has indeed rewarded you by placing you in so proud a position, for all the misfortunes which you have endured. Rank and honors were nothing in my estimation, answered Richard, had they not removed the obstacles which separated me from you. A domestic now entered, and stated that the carriages were in readiness, and the illustrious party, having taken leave of the commandant and officers of the garrison, proceeded to the mansion at Richmond. Alberto and Richard Markham were then closeted for some time together. Our hero presented His Highness with the official dispatches from the ministers announcing his proclamation as Grand Duke, and inviting him to return to Sicala to take possession of the throne." Your serene highness will not deem me presumptuous said richard when these documents had been perused in accepting the executive sway immediately after the battle of montoni my object was to ensure the tranquility of the country and to lay the foundation of a liberal system of government which i knew to be congenial to the sentiments of your highness i appointed a ministry formed of men who had shown their devotion to the constitutional cause and who were worthy of the confidence thus reposed in them with respect to the late sovereign, Angelo the Third, I learnt a few hours ere my departure that he had taken refuge in Austria, but in reference to the Grand Duchess Eliza I have obtained no tidings. "'I cordially approve of every step you have taken, my dear Richard,' replied the Grand Duke. "'Your conduct has been beyond all praise. I expressed that opinion in the letter which I wrote to you and wherein I informed you that I should wait in England until you came in person to announce to me the desire of the Castle Sicalans that I should become their sovereign. I have, as I told you in my communication, only just recovered from a severe illness, but my duty to my country requires that I should return thither as soon as possible. In four days I shall embark on board the ship that brought you to England. "'So soon, my lord?' cried Markham, somewhat uneasily i should leave england to-morrow had i not one solemn but joyful task to accomplish answered the duke with a smile fear not dear richard that i shall delay your happiness any longer for if you yourself do not consider the haste indelicate i propose to bestow isabella upon you the day after to-morrow oh my lord what happiness and what deep gratitude do i owe you exclaimed richard falling upon his knees and pressing the sovereign's hand to his lips rise richard rise said the grand duke you owe me no gratitude for you forget how deeply i am your debtor you have delivered my native land from an odious tyranny although it be of my own relative of whom i am compelled to speak thus severely and you have given me a throne in return i bestow upon you the dearest of all my earthly treasures my daughter and the study of my life shall be her happiness replied our hero but i have won great and signal favor to implore of your highness, and I tremble to ask it, lest you should receive my prayer coldly. "'What is there that you should hesitate to ask, or that I could refuse to grant?' exclaimed the grand duke. "'Speak, Richard, the favor, if favor it be, is already accorded.' "'Your highness must be informed,' continued Richard, thus encouraged, "'that I have various duties to accomplish, which demand my presence for some time in England.' I have an old friend and his daughter dependent upon me i must settle them in a comfortable manner to ensure their happiness there is also a young female named catherine wilmot whose history i will relate to your highness at a more convenient period but to whom i have been in some measure left guardian by letters which i received a few days before my departure i learnt that she is residing at my house with my old friend and his daughter it will be my duty to arrange plans for the welfare of catherine "'This I should wish to do in concert with Isabella.' "'Lastly, my lord, I have the hope of meeting my brother, "'should he be still alive,' added Richard with a sigh. "'Your Highness is aware of our singular appointment "'for the 10th of July, 1843.' "'The Grand Duke reflected profoundly for some minutes, "'and Richard awaited his answer with intense anxiety. "'You shall have your will, noble-hearted young man,' "'at last cried Alberto.' I was wrong to hesitate even for a moment, but you will pardon me when you remember that in granting a request I consent to a long, long separation from my daughter." But when the time for the appointment with my brother shall have passed, said Richard, Isabella and myself will hasten to Montoni, and then, God grant that you may be parted from your daughter no more in this life. Would it be impossible for you to effect a species of compromise with me in this way? returned Alberto with a smile. Provide for those who are dependent on you, and when that duty is accomplished, pass at Montoni the interval until the period of the appointment with your brother shall demand your return to London. I would submit to your Highness this fact, answered Richard, that I live in constant hope of the reappearance of my brother ere the stated time. And should he seek me in the interval, should he be poor or unhappy, should he require my aid or consolation, if I were far away? I understand you, interrupted the Grand Duke, be it as you say provided isabella will consent he added smiling you shall remain in england until the autumn of eighteen forty three much as the princess will grieve to separate from her parents you think she will be content to stay in this country with you again interrupted the duke laughing i see you have already planned everything in your own way and both the grand duchess and myself are too much pleased with you too willing to testify our regard for you and too anxious to make reparation for the past added his serene highness significantly to oppose your projects in the slightest degree it shall be all as you desire your highnesses will then render me completely happy exclaimed richard again pressing the duke's hand to his lips alberto then rang the bell and commanded the domestic who answered the summons to request the presence of the grand duchess and the princess those illustrious ladies soon made their appearance Isabella's heart fluttering with a kind of joyful suspense, for she full well divined at least one topic that had been discussed during the private interview of her father and her lover. The two latter rose as the ladies entered the room. Then the Grand Duke took his daughter's hand and said, Isabella, our duty towards our native land requires that your mother and myself should return thither with the least possible delay. But before we depart... We must ensure the happiness of you, beloved child, and of him who is in every way worthy of your affections. Thus, an imperious necessity demands that the ceremony of your union should be speedily accomplished. I have fixed the day after to-morrow for your bridal, but you, dearest Isabel, will remain in England with your noble husband. He himself will explain to you, even if he has not already done so, the motives of this arrangement. May God bless you, my beloved children.' and oh continued the grand duke drawing himself up to his full height while a glow of honourable pride animated his countenance if there be one cause rather than another which makes me rejoice in my sovereign rank it is that i am enabled to place this excellent young man in a position so exalted on an eminence so lofty that none acquainted with his former history shall ever think of associating his name with the misfortunes that are past and that he may give even a title to his bride and accompany her to the altar with that proper independence which should belong to the character of the husband it is my will to create him prince of montoni and here is the decree which i have already prepared to that effect and to which i have affixed my royal seal with these words the grand duke took from the table a paper which he presented to our hero who received it on his bended knee he then rose, Alberto placed the hand of Isabella in his, and the young lovers flew into each other's arms. The parents exchanged glances of unfeigned satisfaction as they witnessed the happiness of their charming daughter, and of him whom she loved so faithfully and so well. Dinner was shortly announced, and around the table were smiling faces gathered that evening. At nine o'clock Richard took his departure alone in the Grand Duke's carriage, where he had transferred his own aides-de-camp to the service of their sovereign. But when he bade farewell to Isabella on this occasion, it was with the certainty of seeing each other again in a short time, and they inwardly thanked heaven that their meeting was no longer clandestine, and that their attachment was at length sanctioned by the parents of the charming maiden. End of 86.